Well, hello there on this wet, rainy Thursday. We greet you with Jesus' joy. And of course, with every breath I take, I am learning to understand that every day is a day of thanksgiving as far as our relationship with the Lord is concerned. Certainly delighted for all of you who are joining us as far as our time of study is concerned uh, with our Bible study and over the next several weeks, we're dealing with um, an interesting lesson as we navigate uh, some things that we as disciples of Jesus Christ must be aware of when it comes to um, walking with God. So talking about lessons on development for disciples of Jesus Christ. I am certainly convinced that part of our problem as far as uh, today's culture is concerned is that um, many of us uh, come to church, uh, many of us engage in the work of ministry, but we are uh, kind of clueless about who we're working for and why we're doing the things that we're doing. And so um, kind of uh, ran up on, on some time of study and just want to walk through uh, over the next several weeks, uh, the time that we are called to engage in this work of study. And so last week, we talked about how you're saved to serve, saved to serve. This week, we want to help you to understand uh, Jesus Christ as Lord and really unpack that in a very meaningful way. Uh, and we're going to come from Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23, Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. So as we prepare to get started as far as today's conversation, let's bow heads for a word of prayer, and then we'll get started as far as our work is concerned. God, we come and we thank you for this wonderful opportunity to study your word, to really learn who you are, why you love us so, and uh, why we are in the place that we're in right now. We pray right now, God, that you, the master teacher, would show up in this moment, teach us your precepts. Let your word be a lamp to our feet and a light to our pathway. Show yourself strong and mighty as only you can. Uh, and we will bless your name. It is in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 So I kind of want to put this out there just for consideration as far as our time is concerned. Who do you think Jesus was before you came to the saving knowledge of who Jesus is. So before you got saved, I want you to kind of ruminate on that in your mind. Who did you think Jesus was? Just was he some good teacher or a good person or a miracle worker? Who do you think Jesus was before you got saved and before you came into a better understanding of who Jesus Christ is as Lord and Savior. And I think that this is very important because <clears throat> what we think about Jesus or what we have thought about Jesus really determines what we do as far as the work of ministry, but even more importantly, how we live our lives as far as being disciples of Jesus Christ. And I would dare say that unfortunately, even in the culture today, too many people have a bad understanding of who Jesus Christ really is. 
And I can tell you just by um, this notion as pastor here at St. Paul Baptist Church, I teach all new member classes. I've had a wonderful opportunity since I've come here uh, to teach hundreds of people who have gone through our new members class. And it is absolutely amazing and astounding that when I ask them, who is God? Who is Jesus? Who is the Holy Spirit? And I put all that stuff out, that a lot of folks got some interesting stuff to say when it comes to who they think God is, who they think Jesus is, but particularly on the person of Jesus Christ. And what even blows my mind at an amazing uh, 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 rate is that many people don't understand two fundamental things. Number one, how does Jesus relate or is connected to God, Father slash creator? And what does that mean for us as far as our relationship with Jesus Christ? Because there are those who are on what I would call the liberal or the far left who thinks that Jesus is just a political revolutionary who came to upset the apple cart as far as the Roman government is concerned. Okay, so you got that on the far left. But then you have those on the far right who maintain that Jesus was a moralist and a staunch conservative and was representing the status quo. Okay, and then there are a whole lot of others who see Jesus as being just a miracle worker, a do-gooder who loves everybody, who does not want confrontation at all costs. Okay, and so really what I want to do is hopefully and prayerfully in the time that we have together is to unpack in a very meaningful, uh, theologically correct, biblically grounded way of all of us understanding, appreciating, and appropriating who Jesus is. So Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through verse 23. I want to read that for you as far as our hearing is concerned, and um, then we're going to get to the work of unpacking it, okay? All right. So I'll be reading from the New King James Version of Scripture. I'm going to have you to highlight some phrases, okay? This is going to be very important. And I want to unpack these phrases in a very meaningful way because how we interpret these phrases um, in our understanding is not the necessary way that it was interpreted when Paul wrote it, all right? So... Let's look at verse 15. When he talks about he, he's talking about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. I want you to highlight the image of the invisible God. I want you to highlight uh, the firstborn of all creation. I want you to circle the word firstborn because that's, that's going to be very critical for me to unpack for us uh, as far as our time together is concerned. Verse 16. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. Underline that phrase, all things were created through him and for him. Verse 17, and he is before all things, circle before, 
and in him all things consist. Verse 18, he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. I want you to highlight verse 18. <clears throat> okay. All right. Let's look at verse 19. For it pleased the Father that in him the fullness should dwell. I want you to highlight the phrase, the fullness should dwell. And by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of the cross. I want you to highlight the phrase, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Okay. Let's look at verse 21. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled, underline reconciled, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, circle the word holy, and blameless, circle the word blameless, and above reproach in his sight. Circle the phrases or the words above reproach in his sight. Verse 23, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard, which was preached to every creature under the heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. All right. I know this is a lot that has been dropped on you all. Uh, and this is just what I consider to be very deep theological territory. And, um, uh, but it's good stuff by virtue of the fact that uh, if I can unpack it for your understanding, it's gonna bless you in an incredible and a tremendous way. All right. So let's, um, let's go back and let's look at starting at verse 15, uh, because this is really dealing with what we would call the preeminence um, of Jesus Christ, the preeminence of Jesus Christ. And, and what Paul does is that Paul mentions seven major distinctions of Jesus that qualifies Jesus Christ having supremacy over everything in creation, okay? Having supremacy over everything in creation, all right? And so I'm gonna list them for you um, and I hope that it blesses you. Number one, the image of God, the visible image of the invisible God, all right? Number two, firstborn over creation. Number three, creator of the universe. Number four, head of the church. Number five, firstborn from the dead. Number six, fullness of God. Number seven, reconciler of all things. All right, giving back to you one more time. The visible image of God, the firstborn over creation, creator of the universe, head of the church, firstborn from the dead, 
fullness of God, reconciler of all things. There is no one in all of existence that compares to Jesus. He is the supreme sovereign of the universe. All right, he's supreme sovereign of the universe. Okay, now this is really Jesus is the 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 determining and the differentiating factor as far as Christianity is concerned that sets Christianity apart from all other religions. Okay, this is why here it is. It's so important for us to understand why. We connect why we believe, why we trust in Jesus Christ. Okay? All right? Okay. Now, let me, if I could, I want to set kind of the context for what, we are, what we're dealing with at the Church at Colossae. Because Church at Colossae is one of those Greek churches Um they got some interesting things going on as far as Colossae is concerned. And a lot of it has to deal with the uh, philosophical differences as far as the Greeks were concerned that had impact upon whom Paul was preaching to. And so they were influenced by Greek philosophers like Plato, Socrates, Aristotle, Euripides, all these Greek philosophers, and part of the Greek philosophical impetus was that the world is evil, that matter is evil, that the body is evil, okay? So believing that the world is evil, matter is evil, body is evil, you have false teachings arguing that there was no way that God would have come to the world in the flesh, because the flesh is what? Evil, okay? All right? So Paul is trying to argue that away. There's another thing that they're arguing is that these false teachers did not believe that God created the world because God cannot create evil, all right? Uh, but Paul is arguing that God did create the world, all that is in it, and all that goes along with it and predicated upon choices that we make. And of course, I did some teaching on, on suffering and evil in the past uh, weeks that hopefully and prayerfully will undergird this conversation. All right, here's another one. These false teachers did not believe that Jesus Christ is the only and unique son of God but they maintained that he was just one of several mediators between God and humanity. What Paul is explaining in this particular context is that Jesus existed before anything was created and that Jesus is the only one, check this out, who has been resurrected, okay? That's why he's called the firstborn of the resurrection. 
And then there are those who do not see Jesus Christ as the source of salvation because they insisted that people could find God through special or secret knowledge. These were the Gnostics. Uh, Gnostics. They, the Gnostics believe that in order for you to be saved, you had to have this special or secret knowledge of who Jesus Christ was. And only those that had that special sauce, if I could use that term, were the ones that were saved. All right. Okay. So um, kind of laid that out because this is just an absolute wonderful aspect of, of, of how we're going to get to know who Jesus Christ is as far as our time is concerned. Now, verse 15 is where a whole lot of folks get stuck. Verse 15, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Okay, we got that. The firstborn of all creation. That's where folks, that's where a whole lot of people can get stuck. All right? Uh, this is where a whole lot of people can get stuck. That word firstborn over all creation. And I want to, with great intentionality, unpack this as far as our time is concerned. Now, many, um, many biblical scholars really believe that this is a hymn or a song uh, of the New Testament church. Uh, and they believe that these lines that are being sung were part of that hymn. And what Paul is uh, helping the people to understand is that Jesus is not only equal to God, but he is God, okay? Now, look at verse 15. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. That The, the word, the verb is, is in the present tense. And it describes Jesus's position now and forever. And as the image of the invisible God, Jesus is the exact visible fleshly representation of God. Now, go back to John 1.1. I've preached on this before. I'll share it again. Uh, Ad nauseum by the virtue of the fact that in John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh. The word, word in the original Greek in John 1, 1 is logos, L-O-G-O-S. Logos is where we get the modern word logic, L-O-G-I-C. Logic is how we process our reality from a rationale and a reasonable perspective in the mind. So really, Jesus is the fleshly articulation of the mind of God, okay? God as spirit is invisible, always will be. Jesus Christ becomes the visible expression of the invisible God. So not only does Jesus reflect God, but as God, he reveals God to us, okay? All right, um, and, 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 and so when you see the glory of Jesus, you really see the glory of God. Here's what I want to impress upon you, that Jesus Christ is not a copy of God. 
He's not some facsimile of God. He is the very embodiment of the nature of God. Now, this is where a lot of us get, a lot of folks get stuck on that word firstborn, okay? Because um, the context of the word firstborn in the Greek um, is kind of difficult to translate into today's culture. But the word firstborn uh, in the Greek is prototakos, P-R-O-T-O-T-O-K-O-S. All right. Now, getting ready, getting ready to drop some, getting ready to drop some magic on y'all. Getting ready to drop some magic on y'all. All right. Um, um, the word prototakos, here it is, basically means preeminence or supremacy, it does not mean first created, okay? All right, okay? So basically the idea of prototakos basically means that Christ preceded the whole creation and is sovereign over all of creation that he has dignity and superiority over all of creation. Now, again, there's a difference between sovereignty and preeminence and first created. If Jesus, and this is why Greek is so important, was first created, if God created Jesus, the Greek word would have been prototesis, P-R-O, T-O-K-T-I-S-I-S. And this is why the Greek is so important. Difference between sovereign preeminence versus being created. So Jesus Christ was not created. Now, if you can get that, understanding who God is through Jesus Christ, understanding Trinity, appreciating Trinity is, will be so easy. Jesus Christ was not created. Jesus has always existed. Jesus Christ has always been, is, and shall forever be the God who did not begin to be. Okay? All right? And basically what it is saying, just like God, that uh, he is sovereign. Everything came through him by him and because of him, all right? So if you don't take anything else away today, I want you to take this away. If you don't take anything else away, I want you to take this away. Firstborn does not equal first created, okay? That Jesus was not created, Jesus has always existed, all right? You got that? Jesus was not created, Jesus was always always existed. He was not first created. Firstborn basically means sovereign, preeminent, superior. All right, not first created. All right, I'm hoping this helps somebody. All right, now. 
this is why it's so important for us to focus on the deity, the divinity of Jesus, that Jesus is God, because if Jesus is not God, there's going to be some major issues with our Christian faith. If you put Jesus lower than God, okay, if you say that Jesus is not God, then our faith is in serious trouble. All right. Now, here's where I may get in trouble with what I'm getting ready to say, but I'm, I'm willing to take the lick because we live in what we call a pluralistic society. And, and, and a pluralistic society is a good thing. It's a good thing. It is good to engage men and women across different religious beliefs and stratas. Nothing wrong with that. We should do that because we have a common humanity. Okay. All right. We should be open to different traditions and languages and, and have an interest in people of different ethnicities and customs. But here's where the bad part comes in. All right. The, the, the bad part comes in is that you're putting all religions, all spiritualities on the same level. Okay. And we're not on the same level. All religions are not equally valid. Christianity is exclusively inclusive and inclusively exclusive. <laughs> and what do I mean by that? I mean that it is open for all who are willing to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Okay. However, we have to be willing to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. And this is what Paul is trying to teach. Paul is trying to teach the people at Colossae about the supremacy and the divinity of Jesus Christ as Lord. That Jesus is the God man, that Jesus is both creator and redeemer, that Jesus is Lord over all and superior to all powers, be it good or evil. Okay? So what should we as disciples of Jesus Christ should be doing? We should, number one, learn from and respect world cultures and living a life in such a way that people of various ethnicities should find their peace with God in Jesus Christ. That is what it means to be a missionary or an evangelist or a minister of reconciliation, telling the world the good news that God loves us and that God saves us. So here's what I'm trying to impress upon you, that when you know who Jesus Christ is for yourself in the pardon of your sins, when you know that he is Lord, you don't have to argue with people about where you stand as far as your relationship with God. You live that out in such a way, but you don't deviate from it by saying, well, yeah, you know, you, you're right. Uh, uh, your way of thinking, uh, Jesus is some made up person. No, 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 no. That, that, that's not how we work this thing. Because verse 16 really turns this thing on its head in an incredible way. 
All right. Jesus was not the first thing God created. Okay. Jesus Christ has always existed. Look at look at verse verse 16. For by him all things were what? Created are in heaven and they are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether the thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. You can't have all things being created through him and for him if he's a created being. <laughs> okay? Because if Jesus Christ is a created being, then that means that he's on the same level as of everything that he's creating. And it doesn't work like that. So when, again, when we talk about firstborn versus first created, Jesus Christ was not first created. Jesus Christ has always, always, always existed. Now, part of the reason that this is so important is because false teachers thought the physical world was evil. There is no way, according to those false teachers, that God would have created the world. And if Christ was God, there was no way that God would have come to the world in the form of Christ Jesus. All right. So Paul is saying, yes, there is. God created everything in Christ and through Christ. And that same God came into the physical earthly realm in the person of Jesus Christ to do the work of reconciliation, to bring us what? Back to God. OK. All right. So look, look at verse 17, because it says, and he, Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things consist. You can't be before all things and have all things consist if you are created. <laughs> I think I'm doing some good teaching. You can't be before all things, and you can't have all things being created through you if you are created. It don't work like that. All right, it, it doesn't work like that. Jesus was before anything because he's God. All right, Jesus was before anything in both time and rain because he's God. Jesus was before anything in both time and substance because not only is God Jesus the creator of the world, but he's the sustainer of the world, and everything is held together in Christ Jesus to create everything from disintegrating into chaos. Did you, I, I hope I'm doing some good teaching. I really, I really hope I'm doing some good teaching. All right. This is why Jesus Christ is so important. This is why Jesus Christ is so important. And Paul says, not only is he before all things and in him, everything is held together, but he's the head of the body. What? The church. Who is the beginning and the, now watch this, the firstborn from the dead that in all things he may have preeminence. Now, this is where I love to just blow folks' mind right here. <laughs> because, and I, and I mess folks up when I do this. I mess folks up when I do this. So I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready. I'm letting you know that I'm getting ready to, that I'm getting ready to um, drop a bombshell. All right. Y'all ready? You ready? Here's the bombshell. There's only been one resurrection. 
Jesus. All right, let, let me say it again. Flow with me. There's only been one resurrection from the dead. Jesus. Well, pastor, I read in my Bible that Lazarus was dead four days and Jesus raised him from the dead. Yeah, you're right. I read in my Bible that 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 uh, uh, in the Old Testament, uh, when the little boy was dead, that 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 Elijah brought him back to life. Mm -hmm. Wait, wait. I read in there that 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 there was a little boy that was dead on his way to the cemetery, and Jesus touched the coffin, and the boy came back to life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all that's true, but there's only been one resurrection. Here, here, here is here is the blessing that I want to give you. There's only been one resurrection. All of those other situations were restorations back to this life. Right? Because they died again and they're still dead. <laughs> oh, that teaches you some good stuff. They, 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 they were restored back to this life to die again. When Jesus was resurrected, he ain't going to die no more. Okay, And he really becomes the example for what we're going to experience as far as resurrection is concerned. So all of those other situations were restorations. And here is why this is so important, because the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of our Christian faith and belief. It's the, it's the only reason the church exists. Christianity, being a disciple of Jesus Christ, part of the reason that we do what we do is by virtue of the fact that God entered the human predicament in the flesh, died for people, was raised again in power and glory to rule over the old creation and come up with the new creation. And so the resurrection assures believers that Jesus Christ is not a legend. Okay. All right. Now, I've I've heard I've heard some I've heard some some crazy folks say, "Well, if Jesus if Jesus was 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 resurrected, show us the medical records." Duh, they weren't keeping medical records back then. But the proof of anything back then was the historical evidence of what eyewitnesses. Okay. All right. Let, let me go ahead and wrap this thing up because uh, I'm about to shout on a Bible study. <laughs> For it pleased the Father, that's God created that in him, Jesus, all the fullness should dwell, which means that Jesus Christ perfectly displays all the attributes and the activities of God, the spirit, the word, the wisdom, the glory, the power. And so Paul is stating and refuting that Jesus could not be fully human and divine at the same time. Jesus is both fully human. Jesus is both fully divine. He's 100% human. He's 100% divine. You stepped on Jesus' foot. He said, ouch. If you cut Jesus, he bled red blood. He understood what we dealt with, but he did not sin. And he did not sin, even though he could have sinned because he made the choice to always do 
what God the Father wanted him to do. So he submitted himself even in his godness to God the creator so he can show us an example how we ought to live. We don't have we don't serve a three-headed God. We don't serve three different gods. Christ has always been God. Christ will always be God. All of God, including all of God's attributes and characteristics and nature and being, indwells in Jesus Christ the Son. We have Christ, we have all of God in human form. And watch this. And Paul writes so succinctly, and by him reconciling all things, that's a broken humanity as well as a broken creation to himself, things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of the cross. That, 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 that word reconciliation means, watch this, reestablishing a relationship, causing their relationship to become more friendly and causing the relationship to become more peaceable where it had not been so. So what does this reconciliation mean for you and me? Here it is. It means that you and I now have peace with God, that we as sinful humanity now have connection and peace with the holy God. We do not have past the end and of ourselves to make ourselves right with God. So Jesus Christ has done that. Okay. Now, because people are born in sin, they cannot become good enough to be acceptable by God on our own. All right. That's why back in the Old Testament, uh, people used to make sacrifices and that was their symbolic offering to God to come to God. So uh, God accepted the life of an animal in place of the life of the sinner. When Jesus came, Jesus substituted his perfect life for our sinful life. He took the penalty for our sins that we deserve. Now, let me let me just say, and I got to put this out there, that there are some seminaries, there are some theological schools that do not believe in the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ. They do not believe that he was the propitiation for our sins. And while they may not believe that, I believe that and I'm going to teach that because the Bible unfolds that for us. Okay. All right. So Jesus was our substitute. He took our place. Okay. Now let's look at something else and I'm getting ready to wrap it up. Um, for um, And by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the cross. Now, that word, that phrase, all things, all things, that does not mean everyone will be saved. Okay? All right? Because what Paul taught was that salvation was something that we either accepted or rejected. We're given a choice. But here is the shout of the whole thing. The scope of God's reconciliation is available to all. But reconciliation is accomplished only for those who accept Christ as Savior. 
if any man won't be in Christ, he or she is what? A new creature. Old things pass away, behold, all things are becoming new. So what does reconciliation mean for all things? Not only will humanity be reconciled, all the creation will be reconciled. Okay? You know what that means? That means that one day we will not have to worry about storms. We will not have to worry about diseases. We will not have to worry about uh, people being differently able. We will not have to worry about suffering. We will not have to worry about a broken humanity. We will not have to worry about um, crazy weather patterns. We will not have to worry about hunger and poverty. All of that stuff will be reconciled unto God. And the reason that we need to be reconciled is because at one time we were alienated from God. We were separated from God. We were God's enemies. Okay. We were strangers to God. Okay. But we are now made reconnected to God because of our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I close on this. Because of our certainty of our faith in Jesus Christ, you and I should not engage in careless living. You and I should not be getting caught up in bad doctrinal teaching. You and I should not do anything that we want to do with the claim, well, you know, I'm already saved and so I'm good. No. You and I ought to be building our lives through obedience on the foundation of the gospel. Okay? The way for us to be free from sin is to know that Jesus Christ has taken our sins away. And we got to remain established in that truth, place our confidence in Jesus Christ, that he has forgiven us of our sins and has made us right with God. And here's what we need to tell people, that when God forgives us of our sins, our record is wiped clean. And from God's perspective, it is like you and I have never sinned before. Isn't that crazy? Unlike us, God wipes the slate clean. So here's what I'm trying to impress upon you, that God's solution is available to all if you say yes to Christ as Lord and as your Savior. All right. So that's my time for today. Um, before I close out, I want to see if there are any questions that are in the chat. Before we close out, I pray that this lesson has blessed you uh, uh, as far as our time together is concerned. Any questions? Any comments? Any questions? If you so, put them in the chat. All right. What I want to do is impress upon you that um, next week, we're going to deal with um, uh, the cost to being a follower of Jesus Christ. And I want you to look at Luke 
chapter 14, verses 25 through 35. Luke chapter 14, verse 25 through 35. And we're going to unpack that in a very meaningful and prayerful way. Uh, the cost of being a follower of Jesus Christ. This is going to be Jesus teaching on what it really means to be a disciple of, of his. And we're going to talk about that on next week. As we close out, uh, it's my hope and prayer that you all have been blessed by today's teaching. And um, you have an opportunity right now to give as far as uh, our work is concerned here at St. Paul. You can uh, give either by mailing a check money order to the church at 421 Allen Street, Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, 28205 or dropping off check cash money order here at the church. And uh, call the church, though, at 704-334-5309 to make sure someone is here to receive your, your offering. And they'll put it in the safe for Sunday. The other way you can give is through our website, ACS to Church Life. And then you can also give through the app called Givelify. Um, if you don't have that app on your smart device, just download that app, connect to your favorite credit card, and in three clicks, you can give uh, as far as that's concerned. All right. Well, listen, it is my hope and prayer that you all have been blessed. I have been blessed by you joining us as far as time is concerned. We want to encourage you, join us in our worship on Sunday, on Sunday, first Sunday of February. This is Black History Month. First Sunday, we will be having what we would call Sunday best. So whatever your Sunday best is, if it's from a three-piece suit and uh, your Donna Karen or St. John dress, uh, to you just wearing a nice shirt and slacks, uh, wear your Sunday best. Wear your Sunday best on this Sunday uh, as far as Black History Month is concerned. Uh, and looking forward to, to the Lord meeting us and showing uh, God's self strong and mighty. Well, listen, have an incredible rest of the day. Um, uh, we look forward to you joining us on Sunday. Look forward to having couples, married couples, or engaged couples that have signed up to join us for Love Notes this weekend. Friday night comedy shows, Saturday uh, workshops and breakfast, Saturday night sneaker ball. Then Sunday morning, they will lead us as far as our worship experience is concerned. And so uh, uh, we're getting busy as far as a lot of things are concerned. So listen, you all have a great, great rest of the day. God bless you and have a smile upon you and may the peace and the joy of the Lord be yours. <clears> hmm. <throat>